Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that move, I don't care who it is. Just do. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right of the week, and we've got day four of training camp today as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 339. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Chris McPherson and Ben Fennell about what we saw at the Novacare Complex on Saturday evening. Yes, Saturday evening. It was the first evening practice that I can remember since the Eagles have moved training camp back here to South Philadelphia. Uh, So that was a little bit fun, because usually it's over if it's a night practice, it's over at Lincoln Financial Field. Today, military day, you had military personnel in attendance at the Novacare Complex. And that, that was always fun. There were activities beforehand and afterwards, uh, which was always good. And it's always a great tradition uh, each and every year that I know the players uh, always look forward to. But uh, plenty of action on the field. We're going to get to it with Chris and Ben right here at the top of the show. As always, quick reminder, if you like what you're hearing here on the show and our training camp recaps, go on to Eagle Eye in the Sky and podcast over on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, wherever you listen. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. If you haven't got a question, we'll answer it right here on the show. We're going to do it a little bit later, right after Chalk Talk. So if you've got a question about this Eagles team, what we're seeing, just jump on, leave it right in the comment box, and we'll answer it here on the show. Appreciate everybody that has left us a rating recently. That said, let's get into the top of the show. It's time now to talk with Ben and Chris in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, well, let's get things rolling here as I welcome in Chris McPherson and Ben Fennell to break down day four of Eagles training camp. Guys, a uh, little bit of a different atmosphere today. It was military day here at the Novacare Complex, and practice did not start until 5.30 p.m. We had been going off the 10 a.m. start times for the first three days of camp, so a little bit of change of pace here uh, for the fourth day, but excited to get into some of these big takeaways, and as always, we will go over to Chris McPherson to take us through uh, some of the news uh, of the day, whether it's transactions, uh, some injury news. C-Mac, what do you got for us here? Uh, at the top of the show. We need, we need our audio producer, Peter Kelly, to throw in like a little jingle or a chime or something. Sort of almost, I think of like Ben working on the draft all these years where you get the uh, the jingle for when a team makes a pick. Oh my God, it's just absolutely beautiful. All right, well, so. PK, PK is editing this tonight. So we will, uh, we'll, this is us <laughs> letting him know that, uh, you know, he, he's got to get on, get on this. He's got to get us a, a little sounder for you. Yeah, so uh, absolutely beautiful evening for some Eagles football yeah. there. Like you said, Fran, the military day, uh, great festivities, lively crowd on the sidelines. Uh, from an injury standpoint, good news, Quez Watkins practiced. You know, he was a uh, non-COVID illness, so had not been out there the first couple of days, but he was out there and made a nice catch in one-on-ones. We could probably talk about that later on. Uh, the one that everyone's going to be talking about is Devontae Smith. He exited practice after an early team session. However, he quickly came back and watched the rest of practice from the sidelines without his helmet. The team is saying it's a leg injury, so hopefully it'll just be day-to-day. Uh, added to the injury report today, linebacker Davion Taylor, who had been working with the first team unit in the first three days of practice. He's day-to-day with a quad injury. Uh, other receiver, no, Jalen Rager, did more work on Saturday as he's progressing from his lower body injuries. So that's the injury update for this Saturday. 
Yeah, so I guess building off that, as always, we'll go into the, some depth chart notes. Uh, at linebacker with no Davion Taylor, we saw uh, a new combination up with the first-team unit. It was TJ Edwards at middle linebacker, Rashad Smith, the young veteran uh, from FAU, uh, next to TJ Edwards there. And then that strong side backer position, it seemed to be Joe Oseman and Patrick Johnson, the rookie from Tulane, uh, kind of getting both of those reps there on the uh, our next to those guys. Jordan Mailata, it was his day at left tackle, so he gets his second day the, as the starter after after uh, Andre Dillard had his second day on Friday. And then uh, also on defense at safety, Kayvon Wallace uh, still getting those first-team reps next to Anthony Harris. That was the same as yesterday. If you may remember, if you've been listening every day, Marcus Epps got those reps on day two. So Kayvon Wallace uh, held that down for day four. Uh, let's get into our big takeaways. Not too much that we had to hit, hit on there, which was uh, which was important. Um, I guess we'll uh, we'll come to you, Ben, first. Big takeaway from the day here on Saturday. Well, you know, throughout the week, I just feel like there's been a lot of uh, flux with the offensive line. We have a well-documented battle at left tackle. You know, right guard Brandon Brooks has been back, but Matt Pryor has been up and down as well. Um, left guard right now is Nate Herbig. It could be Sayamala when the season comes. It could be Landon Dickerson down the road. Long story short, the mainstay, Jason Kelsey. 33 years old, entering season 11. This guy is not slowing down. Mm. Just lock onto him for one session of practice because he is so much fun to watch and gives their offense so much diversity and flexibility. He's continually out on the perimeter, leaking out on screen passes, washing out defensive linemen, getting to the second level. And when he leaks out to the perimeter, he runs 110 miles an hour. You see him blur across the field. He is just a lot of fun to watch. He's been the cornerstone of that offensive line with all the moving parts around him. Jason Kelsey, year 11, he still has plenty of juice and plenty of good football. I think he's somebody that's kind of overlooked because it's so assumed and so consistent that it almost doesn't impress you on a day-to-day, but a guy that's worthy of our attention and our praise. I think we get so caught up this time of year talking about the new players, the young players. It's kind of like, honestly, I, I mentioned Fletcher Cox in this segment. Was it yesterday or the day before? And it feels weird saying, oh, yeah, well, yeah, of course Fletcher Cox looked good, right? And he's one of the best players uh, on the team. You would say the same thing. Oh, of course Jason Kelsey looked good. You hope Jason Kelsey looks good. But that's the thing. When you're talking about some of these older players, you want to make sure that they still show up. You know, They still look the part here at this stage of their career. And we're seeing that from Jason Kelsey. We're seeing that from Fletcher Cox. We've seen it from Brandon Graham uh, so far that, you know, here in this camp. We see you know, Lane Johnson uh, looks good. All, all these guys, you're, it's, it's good to see the veterans still look the part. And I think that's important that you bring that up. C-Mac, uh, what would be your takeaway well, here? We all, know, we all know father time is undefeated, too. Yeah, so, you right. know, everyone's going to have their day. But it's nice just to check in on those wily no old vets to make sure they're still sharp. It's good good segue into the first quick point I want to bring up, mentioning some of those cornerstone players like BG and Kelsey. How about Nick Sirianni with the T-shirt collection, mm. okay? During the OTAs, he had a Brandon Graham T-shirt. Later on, he had the Jason Kelsey Mummers Parade outfit t-shirt from the Super Bowl uh, Parade of Champions. Today, we talked about him yesterday, special teams, Jake Elliott with a for the win with Elliott's jersey number plastered on there, Elliott's autograph. So, you know, how about the coach? You know, a little tip of the cap, you know, making sure he connects, going back to those core principles, connects with those cornerstone players. So I just wanted to note that. And I thought, Ben, you did a great job of mentioning Kelsey. Jake Elliott, and Jake, Jake Elliott connecting with uh, some field goals uh, today in practice, which was uh, which was good. They had some full f- field goal versus field goal block uh, action and special teams drills. And I thought Jake uh, hit some big kicks. Yes, I think the farthest I want to say he had 42 or so. 
but distance wise, I think so. Yeah. Out there, so around that range. So definitely looking good out there. Uh, the members of the military, the uh, members of the armed forces wanted him to roof the ball because he's kicking <laughs> it basically toward the complex. He hit the roof of the tents that were set up for some of the guests. So it was raining footballs on them for a little bit. Didn't quite get to the roof of the facility, but nonetheless, they're a good note there too um, because Elliot and Sipos, they don't kick every single day. So yep. a big day for them. Uh, but my actual big takeaway it's the class of 2018. We talk about, you know, mm. fasting with the young guys, but how about these guys who are entering the primes of their careers? Five draft picks in that class. All five are key contributors and being looked upon for big things here in 2021 from Dallas Goddard to Avante Maddox to Josh Sweat, who was asked if he feels like he's primed to have a career year. And he smirked and just said, yeah. And he felt with all the work he's put in this offseason, you know, looking back at his rookie year tape, he is so thankful that the way that the coaches brought him along slowly because he said he looks like a he looked like a mess back then, just running around, not knowing the proper technique. You know, he is thankful for for the way that he was slowly developed and brought along by the coaches. Uh, also, Matt Pryor, he's working in as the right guard with Brandon Brooks out right now. And then lastly, but not least, Jordan Mailata, who's in that competition for the starting left tackle position. So, you know, that class of 2018, Josh Sweat said, we're all here, okay? All five members of the class are key contributors. And if this Eagles team is going to have success in 2021, they're going to need these guys to really evolve and take on much larger roles. So it's great to see the patience, especially with guys like Mailata and Sweat, you know, finally pay off and then, you have Max going into back into the slot. You know, Goddard obviously has shown a ton of promise here. Pryor has played some big games for this team. So all five guys going to be huge for this Eagles team. Without getting into it, you know, too deep down the rabbit hole of this being a what have you done for me lately society and, uh, you know, social media rage where you need everything now, now, now. Uh, with both of those players, you know, you mentioned Jordan Mailata, you mentioned Josh Sweat. Being able to put the time in, let those guys grow, let those guys develop. I remember, uh, Ben, at the end of last year's uh, in Eagles game plan, I did a whole segment just on Josh Sweat. We went and pulled clips of him rushing the quarterback back as a rookie, then in year two, and then watching him in year three develop the same the, the rush plan each of those years, and you see him get better and better and better. And he's honestly he's been one of the best defensive players uh, so far in camp. Uh, you know, in terms of how active he's been, how how often he's been around the football. And really, it goes it goes to looking at a lot of these young players. I even think back to you know there was a lot of discourse around Jordan Mailata a year ago. Right now, training camp this time last year. Oh, you know, is he worth the time? Is he worth the patience? Is he ever going to pan out? And obviously, we saw what he did last year and how he's still continuing to grow. He's still continuing to, to develop. And so that's why it's for me. My big thing was looking at these young receivers. This is my big takeaway from today because they had wide receiver DB drills for the first time today. We we got to see some one on ones, and I'm just sitting there watching. We're watching. We're taking in the one on ones. Jalen Rager, who you mentioned, C-Mac, got a little bit more extended action here on Saturday. He gets a he runs a great comeback route against Darius Slay. Great separation at the top of the route, gets the reception on the far sideline. A couple of plays later, Quez Watkins, who saw the field for the first time today, unbelievable acrobatic catch way downfield over Michael Jaquette, jumps up and over him. You see the, the leaping ability, the body control, the ball skills, the ability to finish, finishes to the ground, holds onto the ball. Outstanding catch from Quez Watkins. Very next rep. You see J.J. Ortega-Whiteside working out of the slot. Outstanding route. 
is able to separate on the corner route, looks it in over the shoulder along the sideline, pulls it in, both feet in for the big catch. John Hightower comes up a couple reps later, wins on a slant on the inside. So you're seeing these young guys all start to, to show flashes. And we've seen all of these players show flashes throughout their career. And I think especially, look, with Arthago Whiteside, he's going into year three, just like those guys last year we talked about, Jordan Mailata, Josh Sweat. That was year three for them a year ago. Still let these guys develop. Sometimes these guys are not going to come in year one and look exactly how you imagine when they came out of college. You got to give some of these times some time to, to season, right? And so I think when you look at all these players, I'm really excited. Are all of them going to work out? That's unlikely, right? And not every single one of these guys is going to hit. But when you have a number, I didn't mention Travis Fulgham. Uh, he made some plays today. Obviously, Greg Ward, he had a great route. and he started, He's starting to see more extended action. I'm excited about what this group of receivers could be. It's obviously a very young group, but the, the flashes are good. I think this is a system that will cater to their strengths. I'm excited to see how they go uh, and how they continue to develop. Just, I know that this is a long time ago at this point, okay? But next Saturday night, or right around this time as we're recording this, Harold Carmichael is going to be inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, 50 years ago, he was drafted by the Eagles, and if you looked at his numbers from his first two seasons, you wouldn't think that he would ever let make the starting lineup, let alone become a key contributor for a team that would win the NFC Championship eventually and go to the Super Bowl, but then end up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So if you look back at those, the production for Howard Carmichael's first two seasons, you know, very lackluster. He looked like he was lost, was trying to find his way in the game just couldn't put it all together. Well, he eventually found it and became one of the most graceful yet dominating with that size in a much different era sure. of NFL football where, you know, defensive backs had free reign to do what they wanted against wide receivers. And Harold Carmichael needed every bit of that six foot eight frame and wingspan to be able to win against these defensive backs. So uh, obviously I'm not expecting any of these guys who end up with a bust in Canton, but certainly, you know, it goes back to what we talked about with the guys like Mylotta and Sweat. Let's give these guys a chance to develop. There's a reason these guys were drafted. The talent evaluators, the personnel guys, they all saw something in these guys. You need the coaches to have time to bring it out of them. And real quick, the last note I'll make on these receivers. Keep in mind, this coaching staff, you, you have obviously Aaron Moorhead as the wide receivers coach. Kevin Batulo, the uh, pass game coordinator, very, very experienced with working with wide receivers. And then, by the way, the head coach, Nick Sirianni, a wide receivers coach by trade. Ben, you've been over by the wide receiver individual drills each and every day. And each day in our practice notes over on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, which you always need to read every single day if you have not already. Uh, ben, you make a note about the wide receiver individual drills and how Sirianni's right there, right in the thick of things. Well, not just over there as a quiet observer. He is hands-on in yep. almost every drill, uh, whether contributing to poking the ball out late or immediately looking to uh, correct and evaluate some of the players immediately after a rep. He is very, very involved and clearly has a, uh, you know, a passion for the receiver position and coaching these guys up. Mm. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun just to watch some of these guys continue to take that next step in their development. All right, so those were our big takeaways from today. Let's get into a big question uh, surrounding surrounding this team going in coming out of Saturday's practice. And look, I think it's easy to say that the defense has you know made more plays over the course of the the first four days of practice than the offense. So we'll stick to that side of the football. Who do you is there a defensive player that has stood out most to you 
over these four, first four practices. C-Mac, I'll come to you first. Is there a defensive player that comes to mind for you? So I think you easily, we talked about not overlooking the, the star players like Fletcher Cox, you know, Javon Hargrave has made a ton of plays. Yep. You can go anyone along that defensive line, I think could win this award. For me, with the way that offense has not been able to push the ball down the field, I'm going to go with Anthony Harris, okay? New member of the secondary, you know, coming in to take that leadership role, has that experience playing in Minnesota, which, you know, we're expected to see kind of, uh, you know, Jonathan Gannon, you know, utilize here in Philadelphia. Uh, I just think that so far this defense has smothered the offense. And not allowing a lot of big plays down the field. And you got to give credit to, you know, a new guy on the back end who's trying to, you know, work with a bunch of young players here. He's taking Kayvon Wallace and working with the Marcus Epps um, there on the back end and some several other young safeties here these first couple of days. But, you know, the cornerstone there back there has been Anthony Harris. He's brought in here to help solidify that safety position opposite of Rodney McLeod and with McLeod, you know, on the physically unable to perform list. Harris has done a great job of uh, playing air traffic controller there on the back end. So I, there's a lot of great options here and certainly anyone along the defensive line, but I'm just going to give some love to the secondary and go with Anthony Harris on this one. I like it. I, I will go with the, uh, the low hanging fruit. You mentioned that that defensive line, uh, whether it's Fletcher Cox, who I talked about recently has been outstanding. Javon Hargrave. I'm glad you brought him up. I'm going to throw Josh sweat in there. I mentioned him earlier here on the show uh, every single day. He might get, you know, the quote unquote sack, right, where he gets home for the quarterback. And sometimes they don't even blow the play dead. They let the quarterback continue to run the play out. But he is so often in the backfield. You see him wrapping up ball carriers. Uh, they're not tackling to the ground yet, but you see him, uh, you know, at the line of scrimmage, you know, getting arms around Miles Sanders or Boston Scott or whoever's carrying the football. Uh, whether he's working with the first team or the second team, uh, he has been really, really active. I'm going to go Josh Sweat here uh, for this category. Ben. Uh, let's come to you. Who's a guy who's one defender uh, who has stood out to you so far through four days? One defender that has impressed me, and I'll take it one step further and make my make up a superlative for this category. Okay. He's going to be my rookie practice player of the week. Ooh. And that's not our first round pick, Devontae Smith. It's not our sexy third round pick, Milton Williams. But from one fourth round pick, Josh Sweat to another, Zach McPherson. Lock your eyes on this kid for one period. He has been Velcro in coverage the last three practices. And that's a good thing. That means you're sticky. You're not giving anything up. He's been chippy post play. He didn't back down from Miles Sanders today. Give him a nope. little something extra after a play. He's a tough kid. He loves to shed blocks in the run game. He's often throwing receivers down, sprinting till the ball carrier loves working with the DB coach. The second he gets off the field has been doing daily punt gunning work after practice. In my opinion, he deserves some reps with the ones. If Steven Nelson or Darius Slay needs a vet day, I want to see Zach McPherson mix it up with some of these number one receivers and to really test him and see how much further he can go. He's a Penn State transfer to Texas Tech who tested out of this world, was a little under the radar, fell to the fourth round, in my opinion. He might be a gem of this draft class. Look out for this kid once the pads come on. And Just anyone, spells his name. Well, yeah, the, the, <laughs> McPhere, the, the other McPherson here, here at the Nova Care Complex. Exactly. Uh, but I think when you look at uh, Zach McPherson, for those of you that were not listening to whether it was to this podcast or to the Journey to the Draft podcast back in the spring, uh, Zach McPherson, one of those players where everybody in the building was excited about this draft. So like the coaches, the, the training staff, the medical staff, the scouting staff, everybody all on board, excited to get Zach McPherson where they got him in the fourth round. And you know that always doesn't always happen with every single draft choice. 
that was one of them where everybody was excited about Zach McPherson. So uh, good to see him have such a strong, strong start to camp, Ben. And he's a guy playing so fast out there. And you rarely see that for a rookie that often has some hesitations or some mental questions and you can't always play 100%. He looks very comfortable very confident. If you're making a mistake, that's okay. He's going to do it full speed. He just looks very, very comfortable. That number 27 out there doesn't look like a rookie. And I just want to see him with some, some ones and maybe get a, uh, some more opportunities out there with the defense. I like it. All right. Well, let's get to our, uh, our plays of the day. Uh, I'll kick things off here. Uh, a couple of big plays defensively that I, that I could have gone with, but I think my favorite and TJ Edwards seems to come up with these plays I would say like every other week there while we're out here for practice, you know, he did it. He did it certainly as a rookie a couple of years ago. He did it all, almost weekly last summer during training camp. And here he is again, doing it again, a diving interception in the middle of the field uh, against, uh, or against the offense. It was a seven on seven drill. Um, he looked like he was in zone coverage, obviously tough to tell uh, sometimes from the sideline, but uh, a leaping interception to the ground. TJ Edwards. Yes. There are some limitations athletically, extremely instinctive, right? And so the, the athletic limitations were why he was an undrafted free agent, but the reason why he was such a productive player in the Big Ten at Wisconsin for as long as he was, he has got a GPS for the football in both the run game and the pass game. TJ Edwards, uh, I love seeing him making plays uh, on the football. We got to see that once again today. C-Mac, uh, let's come to you. Play of the deck. I was thinking about going with uh, possibly like a Jaquan Bailey who had a strip sack of, of Nick Mullins and I guess he didn't realize being the rookie. You're not supposed to hit the quarterback. There's a red there for a reason. He got to stop. But nonetheless, they're, uh, you know, great hustle play. Another member of the defensive line that we're not even talking about. But I'm going to go with a classic Zach Ertz. Uh, ran a beautiful out and up, which is, you know, fooled defenders so many times during his tenure here in Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts with a nice throw for a big play down the sideline. One of the few big plays the offense was able to make here on Saturday evening. So I'm going to go for a little uh, – Throwback there with Zach Ertz there coming up with the play of the day. Well, that was right in front of me and Fran. I thought Fran was going to make a play on the ball. There was just a miscommunication <laughs> between us. We'll we'll take a look at the. Tape I figured I figured I'd let I figured I'd let Zach have that one. Uh, you know, I'll go back to the tape. We'll readjust and we'll make corrections for tomorrow. <laughs> ben, what well, do you got my, for us? Mine's going to be a fun battle we've been seeing quite often in practice. Jordan Malata, the absolute building over there at left tackle, sometimes right tackle, has been battling the speedy Derek Barnett. And occasionally gets the better of him. Barnett took down, got taken down, slipped a little bit. Mulata kind of gave him a shove into the ground. But that's that next rep, first round pick, former first round pick, Derek Barnett showed you he still has quite the first step and quite the bend around the corner. He smoked Mulata on the very next rep. He would have smacked the quarterback if he wasn't wearing that red jersey on him. Uh, but it's just really fun kind of back and forth to see the power of Mulata, the finish. And then that quick first step of Barnett, each kind of showing what they can do uh, for their respective line groups. For fans that read our articles or listen to the podcast, you guys might wonder, like, how do you guys get in so much information just from standing there on the practice fields? And, and Ben and I very often will watch practice next to each other throughout the course of the entire day. And I'll be watching kind of like the whole play, like w- wide focus, trying to get a sense of, you know, what, what the play call, you know, the, just the, the play design. And I'll write down every single play that happens. I'll go through like three or four sheets of paper each and every day, each and every uh, day of practice. Ben will be right next to me and he is hyper-focused on one player or one matchup, one battle, and it might be in the trenches. And I remember during this sequence, I was so distracted. I actually missed the play because Ben said, oh, my lotta just got Barnett. And I just, then I'm looking, my eyes going to the backfield. I missed what, like where the ball actually ended up. If the ball was thrown, if it was caught, didn't see it. But Ben was like, oh, my, my lotta just got Barnett. And then 
I had to watch the next play. So we both got to see uh, Barnett get the best of Mylotta on the very next round. So you kind of turned, turned it up there to make sure you got him <laughs> back. But yeah, sometimes it's, it's really fun to kind of be hyper-focused. And then sometimes you take a more of a peripheral vision and try to That's watch right. the, the play and the whole scheme and the movement of the safeties and the line. But being there at field level, you got to go in with an objective. These guys are big. It's fast. It happens right in front of you. You blink, you miss something. Go in before the play with an objective. Stay focused on your assignment. Yeah, there are, it's, there are, it, it, yeah. it's very hard. And I remember, uh, c I think you and I, I forget exactly who we were talking about. This is like training camp back at Lehigh. was like, I try and come away from every play with one note. You know, and so like literally like whether it's I'm going to be hyper-focused on something or if I'm just taking the whole thing in, give me one note from every single play. Uh, and then, you know, you're obviously not going to use every single one of them in the article, but it gives you at least a nice little sample size to be able to work with. And it's also worth noting, we're one of the few practice facilities that don't really have true bleachers. So while you may see some practice clips going around from other teams, much more elevated, where it looks like you're kind of watching the TV copy or the All-22, our camp, only a few levels of uh, concrete steps for some fans. So we don't really get that aerial view. So you're right. very much stuck to that kind of sideline perspective, which has some pros and cons. You can hear coaches and players talking. You can't always see that corner on the other side of the field. So, right. you know, make sure you stay focused and just take away what you can out there. I will say the one of the pros, you know, kind of follow up on your point there, Ben, is you hear the trash talking right. going down <laughs> the field. And Miles Sanders had broken off a big play. And I guess he and the rest of the offense getting tired of losing these battles with the defense the first couple of days of, of practice with Nick Sirianni's new charting method. And, you know, he was just letting them have it. He was just going, running back down the sideline, pointing to the guys on defense. But the defensive guys were coming right back because every time that they were swarming to the quarterback, you know, and forcing them on check downs or, you know, quick outs, you know, defense, like, take a shot down the field. What are you guys <laughs> worried about? Just take a shot. Come In my on. opinion, C-Mac, I think the trash talking has been a little tempered here through the first week. Once we get some clicking and clacking with some real pads, I think they'll start barking a little bit more, maybe a little bit more chippiness post-play, and then you really want to let them know about it and call their mother's names and stuff like that after the play. <laughs> so we'll see next week if it, if it heats up. We got pads uh, hitting the hitting the field on Tuesday, so uh, no practice on Sunday. We will not have a, a podcast on Sunday, so you got one day reprieve uh, from the three of us. But the three of us will be back on Monday. The Eagles take the practice field 10 a.m. Monday morning at the Novacare Complex. Tuesday, the next day, is when the pads go on for the very first time. We'll have a week's worth uh, of, of action, and then I believe it's the week after that is uh, joint practices against New England C-Mac. Am I uh, right in my timing there? So uh, it, it's uh, it's going to be right on us. We're gonna we got the the Hall of Fame next week, Hall of Fame game, real football uh, coming our way. Very, a little bit, little bit later, a little bit, a little bit later, because the first game is Pittsburgh. And You're then, right. Then it is we'll Pittsburgh get, then then we New get, England. So yeah, we got a couple so more a weeks little, till little little, little right, we can grow we're, 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 we're getting there it'll be it'll be here before we know it but uh <laughs> both you guys thanks so much once again for joining us here on the eagle eye in the sky podcast we will talk to you both on monday well great stuff there from both ben and chris you can follow on twitter just like i do and while you're at it i'm at eagles xos that's where i post all the podcasts i'm a part of and all of our x's nose content that we produce here with eagles entertainment you know how much i appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media that's one way to support the show but the best way 
is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. I want to give a shout out today to someone who did exactly that. Brandon left a five-star review asking, do you think last year's coaching staff was not able to coach up our young players? Maybe we're underestimating this year's Eagles, if so. And Brandon, I, I wouldn't go that far. I, I wouldn't say that they were unable to coach up the young players. That last staff did a great job of developing talent over the course of their time, their tenure here in Philadelphia. There are still some holdovers from that staff on this staff. I just Obviously, there were a lot of things that led to the, the lack of success uh, last year in 2020, and there was a lot of factors that go into play there. So I don't think that that's necessarily something I would look back to 2020. I do look, think looking at this staff, and it's something you know Dave Spadaro and I, we do our daily live streams uh, leading into the start of practice each and every day. You can go check it out uh, over on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, all of the social channels. And we were talking about just the, the energy that this young coaching staff, one of the youngest coaching staffs in the NFL, if not the youngest staff, and just looking at the energy that they bring in the meeting rooms and out in the practice field, you could feel that energy. And it's a, a group of teachers. It's a group of young guys that are just trying to get after it and try and develop it. And one of the things that I've seen as well is that each and every day at the end of practice, what you'll see is that a lot of the, the third stringers and the young players, they are doing extra drills, not just like on their own, but with the coaches, organized sessions. Maybe they'll do, uh, you know, a seven on seven drill or, you know, today there was uh, O-line and D-line were working by themselves. Uh, again, the young players all off to the side. And so uh, they're clearly trying to foster a culture that focuses on player development. And that's something uh, that's new this year. I, I think that's really interesting. Something we're seeing every day uh, over a practice. So again, Brandon, I don't think it's something that I look back to 2020, but just looking at this staff, certainly uh, that is a point of emphasis. They are trying to continue to develop these young players. So great question. Thank you. And thank you to everybody out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade for everybody here at the Novacare Complex. I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you next week. Hi, Eagles fans. I'm Connor Barwin, and I'm here to tell you about the Eagles Autism Challenge presented by Lincoln Financial Group. This year's event will take place on Saturday, August 21st, and we can't wait to see all of you back at Lincoln Financial Field live and in person. Register today to walk, run, or ride. In addition to making a transformational impact on the autism community, you'll also receive a complimentary ticket to our public practice on Sunday, August 22nd. Register today at eaglesautismchallenge.org, and I'll see you there.